Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was good. That, that is good. All right, I think we got that. Let's test this out. Red makes you fat? Definitely does. Red makes you fat? That's actually one thing I had to learn. <laughs> and I've this cut bread out me, of my this diet. This never made me fat. Nothing ever makes you fat, man. Your metabolism's like on point. <laughs> my shit is not. I have to work hard and I still got fat flab. Like, I'm still not your skinny size. <laughs> How old are you? Me? I'm 30. 30? When I was 30, I had a little note on the kitchen table saying goodbye enjoy being coming fat it was from my metabolism yeah that sounds about right that note came a lot sooner for me because i was fat in like 26 <laughs> 26 27 i was just a butterball like and you could see me in like early 20s when i first dating tina i was chubby but not as big and you slowly see me balloon up and then now like if you go watch those cooking videos that we have on youtube if you go to the first one where we did the Final Fantasy thing, I'm like, with a Punisher shirt on, and just, poof. And then, you look like Stay Puffed. Every video as you see it, because we we did the videos once a month, I'm just slowly getting smaller. (laughs) It's weird, he does cooking videos. Yes, yeah. You'd think he'd be gaining weight, but he's losing weight. No. Every time I look at a video. Exactly. (laughs) Yep, that's it. Um, The artist, uh, Jerome that uh, we work with and he's been on the podcast a few times he's wanting to do some kind of challenge thing for October but I don't know exactly what we're planning on doing for that or not so um, if he's planning on going up against you or Eric he's going to have his work cut out for him because Eric's been hitting the gym like crazy and I know you have too yeah yeah I go hit the gym four days a week and then like today today's a heavy calorie day because I eat whatever the fuck I want and uh, so I go running five miles every Saturday to kind of compensate, like because I burn like a thousand calories, yeah. you know, from a, from a five mile jog. I think I could so burn that, a thousand calories just sitting here. Yeah, much. I think so. <laughs> bread makes you fat. You get fat. He's the only one. He actually burns calories eating bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He eats bread and then it just burns away. Yeah, that's how I feel. Anyways, so we're back at Losing Lives, and we'll go ahead and play the intro. Three lives down. You got enough in there to finish me off? One way to find out. Gross. This is not good. All right, and I'll cut it in. But um, so again, we have our guest, Mike from the Long Box. Say hello. You've already talked a little bit. Hello, everybody. Yep, that's right. Guess who's drunk? Yep. And Kevin. Hello. From us. <laughs> yeah, from, uh, from from who is next? The podcast. He's the one who to. got across the border and uh, made it into Trump's America. So, hey, nice yeah. to have you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm doing a podcast. I'm not getting paid for. So, no. yeah, I'm living in the American dream. That's right. I'm not getting paid for it either. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling I'm going to just get 
I'm going to pay for this podcast later. That's right. <laughs> All right. So we're covering Scott Pilgrim versus the world. So again, this movie is not based on a video game, but it has a lot of heavy video game themes in it. I mean, I caught all the tongue in cheek references from Zelda Link to the Past. Oh, there was all their music thrown all through it. The Zelda songs, the sound effects and things like that. It was like the most referenced game. Specifically, it's from specifically that. Yes. Link to the Past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Here, I actually play this. That's the beginning of Link to Past. Yeah. It's a whole like. Scott Pilgrim is dating a high schooler. Really? Is she hot? How old are you now, Scott? Like 28? I'm not playing your little games, kids. So you've been out of high school for like 13 years. I'm 22. 22. You're dating a high That's school girl. Yep. Not bad, not bad. Thank you, thank you. So that you guys are like, you know. You can hear the ground theme it, in yeah. the background. Yeah, you we hear it. We have done many things. It's, it's faint, bus together, but you can hear it. And we have meaningful conversations about how your book club went and about her friends and uh you know drama yeah, have you even kissed her we almost held hands with her when she got him yeah, i think somebody's no, like maybe playing punch. the actual game during this so conversation while well, they're recording it and it yeah. just happened Knives to leak channel. in so they used it yeah she's chinese that's a ruby that's they a secret <laughs> <laughs> so when to meet her oh please let it be soon that's for me there you go. <laughs> That's when you get an item. You promised to be. So, so I, think... I cut that just to, to show, like, it's all throughout the, the movie. They play these, like, Zelda references or these video game references. I mean, there's a plot point at the end where he gets an extra life and he uses it to come back and redo, like, the the last level of the like game. kind of. Right, for sense. the boss fight. There's mm-hmm. the part where he first sees Ramona in his dreams and it's playing the fairy fountain thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. I actually boss. like that song, too. I was like, oh, that's dope. Like, I, <laughs> I liked it. Like, I did like a lot of the Zelda references and stuff that they did. So, I'll have you go ahead, and this is why we covered it for the podcast. But you have read the comic and you know some stuff from the comic. So right. why don't you break down some of the story in the of the comic, and then we'll get into the movie and how it took place on that. Well, it, if you look at the background, it's they started writing the comic, and after the first graphic novel came out, they had done a movie deal. And they were still writing the comic when the movie was coming out. So the comic has a lot tied into the movie but there are a lot of diverging points all the main characters of the movie have their own plot lines going throughout the comic books but for the movie they had to cut a lot of that out and they kind of crunched the uh the bad guys down a little bit Mm -hmm. Uh, but a lot of it's still the same okay so it's still the same from like the movie yeah it's it's like the difference between reading a novel and then watching a movie based on that novel. They can't just cover everything because yeah. they've only got a little. Yeah, there's too much lore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they, a lot job. of video game movies. It, that's the other thing too. Like movies based off video games. The other ones that we've covered is that like these games could be pretty extensive with the lore and things like that, and the movies can only capture so much of it. Or like Uwe Boll does, none of it at all. So. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did this movie right? Who? Edgar Wright? Was yeah, I believe yeah. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, in fact, I got some stuff with him that will be... Uh, in fact, I'm going to pull that up as well while we're doing this. But 
uh, that's a, a little bit, I guess, on the background. And I, I'm, I'm sure as we go through this movie, you'll bring up points. So one of the points we can start with that you were asking and stuff is like people had these weird powers or abilities or different things like that that weren't really explained, like going through these doorways and stuff. And you was given an explanation of that when we was talking before we started recording. So why don't you get back into explaining that? Okay, so the reason why Ramona is the girl of Scott Pilgrim's dreams is because she literally crept through his dreams making a shortcut on the subspace trans highway. I mean, that's how she gets from place to place as a delivery driver uh, or a messenger. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because she works for Amazon. She's yeah. a delivery, delivery uh, driver. So she skates Amazon. through different, you know, skates all around and she just enters into people's dreams, jumps from one dream to another and helps her we gotta see. cover more ground. So Scott mistakenly thinks, okay, this is the girl of my dreams and she's just actually going through. Literally going through his dreams. Yes. <laughs> okay, but the movie... I always saw it as just like just fun, quirky like transitions. Right. That's how I took it. That's how they the presented movie. it. Yeah, that's how they. Yeah. And I think that was a good way to kind of do it. You know, it's it's funny because I actually had these experiences. And I don't know if maybe any of you had. <clears throat> I've never dreamt of a girl before I met her, right? So, but I've had in two instances where like there was a chick that I knew that I talked to. That, like, I wasn't really interested in that way. Then I had a dream about him. And then I was interested in him. <laughs> to where, like, I actually, like, wanted to date them or, yeah. like, kind of make the relationship go further. Nothing ever really happened with those two girls. <laughs> so, like, one girl is a very complicated story. We were friends for a long time. And then we kind of played around with dating. And it was this kind of back and forth thing, whatever. Another girl... She wasn't interested, but then I was like, okay. And then I guess, I don't know if it was the fact that I was full of acne and stuff when I was younger. And then one year it all disappeared and maybe she was interested after that. I don't, I don't know. Then the next year she started giving me a lot of attention like she was, but I was like, she already told me no. So I, I just didn't give it the energy back. Nothing ever happened with that. But twice I've had instances, like I, I've dreamed of this chicken. I was like, kind of infatuated like I, I oh I, I kind of I have feelings now for this girl that I actually did not have at first so it's just a weird thing and when I seen that in the movie I was like you know I've had an experience similar to that twice I don't know if any of y'all have ever had something like yeah, that yeah I've had that happen to me in middle school yeah I think in middle just, school is when it happened for me too yeah I think that's just your subconscious kind of manifesting I mm-hmm. think that's just got to be what it is and because you had the dream about it and dreams feel real because uh where they happen and in the brain and everything, it kind of changes the way you feel about that person in real life. Yeah, yeah Jacqueline yeah. Smith, after uh, I had that dream about her as a teenager, she never returned my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Neither, oh, Charlie's Angels, why did you do that to me? Neither did Raquel Welch. Yeah. How old do you think I am? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, hey look! Hey look! I've had dreams about Raquel Welch when I see her in that freaking skeppy outfit. And what was that? That that movie? Uh, three thousand BC, I think it was, or whatever it was. In that skeppy outfit, like damn, she's fucking hot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Y'all never seen that old movie from like the sixties and shit? Hey, you know who was really hot? 
<laughs> Cloris Leachman. <laughs> uh, have you name, ever seen young Cloris Leachman? That name's going over. You have no idea who Cloris Leachman is, do you? Nah, no, it's not my head. I can't say that. <laughs> so fucking old. You just age yourself out of this conversation. Right. <laughs> I'll tell you who actually was hot. And like, for me, it'd have been no question. I would have went with Knives. All fucking day. Yeah. That pink-haired, bobble-headed girl could have swung by and rolled the blades, and I would have been like, peace, <laughs> knives. I was like, I'm on board. She was dope. I would be down to hang with knives. Yeah, that's I'm, what I'm saying. Scott Pilgrim made the wrong choice in my in my book. <laughs> Actually, in the Actually, original version, version of the movie... He does end up with knives. Really? In the original version of the movie? Yeah. They they test screened it. People didn't like it. And they changed it to him. That makes sense. There, because it seems like at the end he ends up with knives. But then it, it does it, actually it seem changed. that way. Because it does kind of plan itself. Like she leaves and knives came in and helped. And like, like now that he's doing it for himself instead of doing it for someone else. Like he kind of grew a level and... That would make perfect sense. I would rather that ending, kind of. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I, I don't know. Uh, that would be interesting, though. I think I'd have picked Knives. Well, since we're on the <laughs> we never had this movie. That is a weird, weird dream of this crazy white girl. Knives, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, why am I going to battle all of her crazy exes when I got a really hot chick right here? <laughs> and there's no exes to battle. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the other thing. So... Did everybody that he fight actually die? Because he keeps talking like he's like scared to die, and like he's like having these problems with fighting the exes because he's like they're gonna kill him. So when he beats the exes, they shatter into coins, right? Yeah. yeah. Are they actually dead? I don't think they're actually dead. I, I would defeated. argue that they are dead so because you don't ever see him come back. He's a he keeps murderer. saying exactly. He keeps saying how he's afraid of dying. And they just shatter into coins. I kind of feel like they're actually dead. And like, because then when he gets shattered, he dies. He goes to a desert place in a dream world. Like, he's dead. He uses him one up to, to bring back. himself yeah. back to life. I think he's dead. So I so, think he's killing all these ex boyfriends. <laughs> That's because then even the boyfriends are saying, prepare to die. Like the first guy sends the email and he's like, it's the fight to, to the, the death. death. Yeah, yeah, but he didn't read the whole email because it was he boring. Did, he didn't read the whole email. It was boring. That, that actually lends credence to my theory about this whole movie. Everybody in this movie is a dick. There is say. no decent person in this movie. Name one person in this movie who's. Knives. No. Knives uses uh, young Neil to yeah. try to make. But she got wronged and but no, but she's still, still using him it's to try to make Scott Pilgrim semantics, semantics. And, and after all that shit, she's still willing to go back with him. Yeah, uh, it's true. That you know what? That's you know true. What? The only dick. one. There's only one person in this whole movie who's a decent person. That's Nega Scott because he's the total opposite of Scott. That's true, and, and that's, he's a nice guy. Right. He does not fight Scott. He's right. like, hey, we'll go for coffee sometime. I'm out. Like, yeah. that's true. He's the only one that's not a dick. Wait, I'm, let me think. What about? I know she's passive aggressive the entire. Would you time, say but what the, about the talent? 
The drum, the redhead drummer, Kim. She is not really a dick. Kim, Kim's a dick to everyone she meets. Like <laughs> she she's, is kind of a dick to everyone. She's kind she of passive aggressive. But what? what but what about? And she's Scott's ex girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's a whole storyline about that. What? What about the talent? The guy is the singer. He's just trying to get the band together and keep it focused. And I don't think he's a dick to anybody, is he? Yeah. Let's see. Uh, because he's dating the chick, the barista from the the coffee shop, but he doesn't do anything. He just wants fans. Like that's all he's like worried about. He's not like. Well, he is willing to betray everything to get that contract. He is willing to sell out. So uh, I mean, that is, even if it means having to leave Scott behind, so that's kind of a dickish move from Scott. And group. and the only reason the guy's yeah. signing him is to screw over Scott. Yeah, it's true. <clears throat> that's true. That's true. Hmm, that's interesting. I think you're right. Everybody in that movie is a fucking dick except for niggas guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that is true. That's interesting. Um, what do you think, like, the main message of the movie is, in your, in, like, in your opinion? Because uh, to me, I, 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 all right, for me, I feel like the message of it, well, I, you know what? I don't want to say the message. Man, I worded that wrong. But I, the theme of the movie, I felt like, and maybe that's a better way to say it, is like, I feel like whenever you're dating somebody for the first time, one of those questions you always get to is like, so who are your exes, right? And it's, it's almost like the personification of that in a way. Because I think for most guys, and I, I can only speak from a guy's perspective, so I don't know how girls exactly feel. But I know from a guy's perspective, when you start hearing your current girlfriend talk about the other dudes, you're maybe even unconsciously, but probably consciously do, measuring yourself to the ex-boyfriends that she's had. Uh-huh. You know? Like, if one of them was just so good in the sack, like... You're wanting to be fucking good in a sack. You know what yeah. I'm saying? If one of them was just a, like, oh, he's the nicest guy I've ever met. Like, you're going to feel that way. Like, so, like, I remember talking to my wife and, like, talking about her exes, talking about my ex. It's a conversation point that you get to. And, like, I guess there's always that almost inner battle of, like, wanting to be the better person for your significant other. And I felt like that was a theme. And I could be reading too much into the movie, but I felt like that was something I connected with the movie. And I thought that was just, like, an interesting way of, like, showing that on screen. I think that makes sense because at the, at the end of the movie, it makes sense. At the end of the movie, like I said, he learns to fight not for Ramona. He's fighting for himself. Again, I agree. Like, that's the good point. Like, you shouldn't be worried about measuring yourself up against your girlfriend's exes and all that. Have your own self-respect. You're yeah. your own person, and you go into the relationship as yourself, and you don't worry about who her past was. Because like the whole movie, he's kind of wrapped up with like, how many exes do you have? Did you just like there's one point where he's at the bar and he's like, did you just sleep? Who who in this bar you didn't sleep with? Right? Yeah. Like you know, he's just kind of a dick with her, but he's like, you know, all these exes are fighting him. Even like a girl fights him. So she's been by and experimented with a girl, right? So like there's all types of different people she's <laughs> slept around with. And it's finally the point at the end where he realizes, oh, I'm not going to fight for her. Um, you know, I really need to fight and be, this is for me. Like I'm going to be in this relationship with her, but I've got to come at it to be like, you know, for me and, you know, for her. Like, I don't know. I, I kind of took some of those themes and I, I kind of took that out of it. I think this is a movie about selfishness. Scott yeah. is selfish. Yeah. Cause right. 
They he's, keep calling him a lady killer throughout the whole movie. That right. girl that the barista, she calls him a lady killer and everything. Because right. he's got like a couple of exes himself and everything. Right. Yeah. He only he he uses people just for his own gain. Yes. Right. In the beginning, and, he does that. He's using knives. Right. And then he goes he's, over to her, and he, you know, he's Kim both of them. Is, Kim is his ex girlfriend. They get into a lot more of that in the comic book about how horrible he was to Kim. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then he's got the the famous one. What was her name? Natalie. I forget. What but she name. dumped him. Yeah, she dumped. That's him. That's what sent him. Spiral. He was. And that he sends was him into a spiral because he bases his self worth on who he's dating. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, okay. Right, and until he realizes to learn how to be happy with himself. He's never going to be able to be in a successful relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why Negus Scott, who's the exact opposite of him, represents everything that he should be. Mm. Uh, but he's not. Does the comic get more into that? Yeah. Because uh, the movie doesn't really... It's almost played off like a joke. Like it's this super final battle against the dark shadow of himself. Which, again, is a Zelda reference. Because in uh, Ocarina of Time, there's a point where you fight the shadow version of Link. And you fight Shadow Link. Well, the first Zelda to do it was Zelda 2, Venture of Link. He's the final boss in the game. He's Shadow Link. That's his first appearance. Again, Zelda reference. So I took it almost like that. Like it was a Zelda reference. But it it was like a build of like, oh shit, they're about to fight. And then they walk out like they're going to get coffee. I took it more as a joke. Yeah, I don't but know. I like the take you are bringing to it. Yeah, I I don't know because I've only read the first three of the five or six graphic novels, so I don't know how it ends. Mm, uh, I've okay. only gotten up to a certain level of it. Well, get into a little bit about like because they don't get into it in the movie. How is he a dick, or what happened with that relationship with Kim? Yeah, that's the part I haven't got to. <laughs> oh, I thought I got into it because yeah, you said they, he's like a they, real dick. Well, they they do they do mention it and stuff because she still has feelings for him. Yeah, it, like it's, it's kind of shown in the movie yeah. as well. Right, that. and he is oblivious to it because he's selfish. Right, mm-hmm. he doesn't realize that she still has feelings for him. She gets into a relationship with somebody else in the comic book. I can't remember who. It's been a while since I read it. Yeah, they don't show her uh, getting into a relationship with anybody. Yeah. He finally comes at the end of the movie, he finally gets to a point where he's like realizing he just needs to stop kind of being a dick, fight for himself, and like he apologizes for everything, makes it right with Kim at the end and all that, and you know, does it. Makes it right between knives. And uh, Ramona and like, hey, look, I was cheating on both of y'all and stuff at one point. And look, this is all lay it all out on the table. So, right. uh, do you know if the book he gets with knives? I don't know because I know you said you didn't make it to the end, but I didn't know if maybe you just know how it ends. Uh, I would assume it's the same in the book as they had it in the original movie because so, they hadn't finished writing the the graphic novels when the movie came out. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that he ends up with knives in the comic book, but I. I Sounds know. right that the comics make the right decision. Yeah. Then, yeah. like, you know, you give it nice. Rather than the test audience just deciding yeah. how the end should be. He probably got a bunch of people that were just like, he can't be with the China woman. You need to get him with a good old white girl. And they're like, okay. <laughs> that was a test audience. <laughs> Obviously, they, didn't, they weren't in camp. They went to a, <laughs> no. they went to a Trump rally. For this movie. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Um, now, this is just, I grabbed this uh, as, this is kind of just a play of the plot. Um, just so listeners, especially if you don't know. Um, where did I put this? Uh... So, what was all that all about? Um, I guess. 
If we're gonna date, you may have to defeat my seven evil exes. You have seven evil ex boyfriends? Seven evil exes, yes. And I have to fight defeat. Defeat your seven evil exes if we're going to continue to date? Pretty much. So what you're saying right now is we're dating? Uh, I guess. Does that mean we can make out? Sure. Oh. Hey. Sorry about that. Dog barking, she getting all uppity. She was upset that he the takeaway is not that I yeah. gotta fight a bunch of people and yeah. I get to make out with you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Selfish again. Yeah, again, yeah. you're absolutely right. So the main plot of the movie, especially if your listeners, if you maybe never watched this movie and you're just curious about listening about it or whatnot, is that, you know, he fights her seven exes. That's kind of the whole thing of it. And he kinda goes down the list. Um excuse me. So I thought the it was fun the way that they did the movie where there was like these video gamey-ish like fight scenes where he's battling the evil exes and yeah. things like that. And it's all basically it was put together as we find out later on by Gideon, the last ex who's like a super rich music mogul, I guess, that like signs a bunch of like rock bands and stuff and a bunch of money. That's the whole the whole theme of this movie is like a video game theme it also has this like kind of punk rock um theme as well strung throughout because scott's in the rock band and that plays a role in this and in the comics they're drawn manga style okay and they're also even though they're, they're, it's a canadian writer and artist mm. he he also has that video game references and stuff so you see there you know like people leveling up and stuff like that okay comics, so. that's cool uh I actually there's something i sh- i would actually probably like to read is, yeah, it sounds, uh, it sounds the comic sounds a lot more interesting. Sounds, I feel like it may, the movie yeah, makes a lot it does because because the comics get into this whole thing about entering people's dreams and going through these doorways and stuff like that. Where the movie again, I I didn't get as confused by it because I really took it as just these weird quirky transitions between scenes. Because a lot of times, whenever they went through a door, they ended up at somebody's house or they ended up, you know, somewhere else, and it was just kind of moving the story along. Yeah. For me, I didn't feel that shaken by it, but I I, I understand what you're saying because it is kind of weird. And uh, I I can see for like most average audiences who may not be as in tune with like just kind of go for the ride, that would like, what? I'm confused. Like, it could be confused. I think what kind of tipped me off is the fact that I've seen Scott Pilgrim like t shirts and like the the culture around and anything, but I didn't know anything actually about it. So I was watching this movie. Was this the first time you watched it? Yeah, this is the first time I've ever watched the movie. I watched the movie, um, and they would. They had, like I said, they had Ramona mentioned the Substreet Highway, and then there was like the thing about the doors, and like a couple you of know, things you're right. She me did off. mention that, and I didn't even really give it a second thought. Like, I was just. And then, like, uh, the first guy he fights, Matthew Patel, he mentions he has like some kind of math, mystical powers, and he says, Yeah, he does. He's like, Yeah, shit. yeah, yeah. And he's like flying around, and then there's vampire chicks that come out, vampire hipsters. Vampire hipster chicks. It's a Bollywood movie yeah yeah, yeah. Into a bollywood musical yeah it's it does awesome. yeah yeah I, I actually liked it i was like this is bonkers and i'm on board was, uh i thought it was ridiculous. And you know what's funny was so his first ex is that guy and i like that his fighting style was kind of reminiscent of um the leaper from winter soldier oh, where he's yeah. doing those spin flip kicks and stuff like that 
it kind of was reminiscent of how he was fighting in uh, uh, when Captain America was fighting the Leaper on the ship in the beginning of the Winter Soldier movie. Oh, yeah. right. it, it, it was kind of similar the way he was doing those kind of flip kicks and stuff like that and spinning around. Like I thought like there was a similar fighting style going on there. So in the comic book, it's not just Scott fighting the evil acts because you know he the the first guy summons these other demons to help him and everything. And his band members and his friends join in on the fight. So everybody's doing martial arts. Oh, okay. That's it's, cool. Uh, uh, they're all engaged in the fight. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Does it seem like in the book that he kills them? People are dying? Like my theory I, is with the movie? I don't really get that. But again, I've never even considered you know, mm. that. I mean, he just he beats them. Yeah. yeah Did they turn into coins in the book? I don't remember them turning into coins in the book. Okay. Uh, I think he just they're just... Is shown lying unconscious or something. Like so that. yeah, the first one is uh, Matt Patel, I believe, right? That's the first X. That's yes. the name in the in the in the movie. I don't know the, who the actor is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. They don't have it right up here. I think um, the next X. I think he fight was Chris Evans, right? Yeah, it's Chris Evans. Yeah. I think this was before he was Captain America. Oh yeah. No, yeah, pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. That's if you was- notice, this is a movie that still has Scott using payphones. Uh-huh. Yeah. And people have flip phones. Like Knives has a flip phone, but Scott, every time he makes a phone call, he's using a pay phone. He doesn't have a cell phone. So this felt like it was at a time when cell phones were just like kind of becoming a little uh, more in the norm, but not everybody had access to them yet. Yeah, because the time period references, like I caught it, because everybody still had analog TVs. Like his roommate and also had analog TVs. He had a couple of old consoles and stuff on the shelf because they were like. Uh, when they first showed his his room that he was sharing with his roommate and everything, they were like, oh, this is all, um, what's his name? Well, whatever his name was, like, this is his stuff, his his consoles and everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think so. I think this kind of took place maybe early 2000s, late 90s, I want to say, uh, like somewhere No, around. it's not late 90s. It's, no? it's, it's in the 2000s. I want to say it's like, uh, let me see if I can pull Like, I'm trying to remember, like, around flip flown. 2010. Stuff. Yeah, the movie came out in 2010. That's what I'm saying. But I think it took place in maybe... Because people had... A, I don't think this was a timestamp movie. I think this I was know. around 2010 as well. Yeah. But 2010, think 20... So, so, I, I want to say 2006 was the first time we started seeing smartphones. But they weren't commonplace. It was the first time we, we saw like an iPhone. Because I think the iPhone, if I remember right, came out right around the time I was graduating high school. Graduated in 06. <laughs> Yeah, and that's what I'm I want to say that's when the first iPhone came on. Self, most people still have flip phones. Yeah. So by 2010, I would think most people still had like flip phone stuff. They were just getting into smartphones. But in this movie, the scene. But I thought still by this movie in 2010, I would think most people had at least a cell phone. It's kind of odd that somebody would still be using a payphone. But I guess he was just that broke. I mean, he was sleeping on the floor with Wallace. Right. Yeah, this, this is a this is a uh, you know the guy who's writing it is probably older than Scott Pilgrim, but he's thinking back to okay, what was it like when I was in my yeah early maybe 20s? so. You know, and that's that's the good thing about this movie though; it's relatable because mm. when you're in your early twenties, like you are right now, you know you're kind of a douche, right? No, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> I just literally said a second ago that I'm thirty. I'm not in my twenties. I might look reasons. like I'm in my twenties, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. You're all kids. I know, yep, right? That's right. But we have meaningful conversations. That's, that's true. true. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, when you're in your early 20s, you know, you haven't established yourself. You you might be living with a, a roommate and, you know, okay, it's a, a, a studio apartment and I'm going to share a bed with this dude because yeah. that's the only thing I can afford. I actually didn't have that experience. I actually bought a house with my wife when I was 20. Is when I bought this house. Oh, wow. Yeah, so because I dated my wife. She was just getting out of high school. She was knives. She was 17. Again, that's why I would have went for knives. <laughs> so, and I was 20. She was 17, turning 18. So it was about a two to three year difference between us. I was like a year into college. And like, of course, my parents helped me set up. They co-signed me to have a loan when I was like 18. And then like I worked at Raising Cane's and I paid off that loan. So I built credit. So by the time I was 20, I was working for Coca-Cola I had a decent job and I was able to get a loan for a house. And we was like, we can rent or we can own. And we decided to own. And we got this piece of shit. <laughs> Mistake. So you, you didn't live, uh, and I, the guy on my podcast, Tom, who you've met, I, I literally had him sleeping in the room right next to me. And when we first moved down to New Orleans, we had so little money. Yeah. We couldn't afford to have air conditioning on in the house yes, except indeed. for in one room. Yes, indeed. So we moved the mattresses into the kitchen and we both slept on the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> you do what you got to do, man. Yeah. So that was. She, uh, my wife actually had a kid. She had a first kid real young. So I wasn't there. Uh, I dated her, she was 17, and she had like a four-year-old. So, but you know, we met, dated, and me, I was always in the mind, I wasn't really in the mind of like, I just want to fuck chicks and whatever, like I, I wanted to have a stable relationship, a family, and that was just kind of my mindset, even at a young age. So we dated, I really liked her, she ended up getting pregnant, and we lost that one, but then she got pregnant again, when I asked her, to, after I asked her to marry me, and uh, we had Eva. So, like, in 2008, I bought a house, we had a baby, and we got married all in that one year. Very active year. And then I also watched The Dark Knight in theaters. Very great year. So, <laughs> so you are basically the ooey bull of 2008. That's right. <laughs> you were doing everything. I was doing everything. But I had... Better decisions. <laughs> At least I think so. But uh, no, man, it was it was great. So I did a lot of stuff in 2008. So for me, it was different because I didn't actually go through that like kind that of phase. Period. Because I lived with my parents for the most part because like, I had the choice to make. Like I did pretty good. I had a good score on my ACT. Hey, Tundra, you enjoying us for the podcast? Listeners, yeah, I have... She's my trying to get in the mic. dog trying to jump on Kevin's lap and say something in the mic. But... When I was, you know, younger, um, bought my house back in 2008 and um, got married and all that. I just, that was my focus. I, I, I didn't really have that. That's what I was getting to. I didn't really have that sleeping on the floor with my friends. I almost could have had that because I almost moved out to, L, to go to school in LSU. But I was like, well, I was going to go for business because my headset at the time was like, I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. I'm going to, I'm working at Coke. I'm going to get my degree. And I'm just going to move on up. And then, like, that all shattered when I got fired, right? But I still went through school. 
got my marketing degree, four-year bachelor. But at that time, like, I decided, well, I can go to LSU and struggle because I'm going to have to get this, you know, whatever job I can get and just try and make it. Or I can stay at home. I'm working at Coca-Cola's, decent job. I don't have to stretch my money. And I go to UNO. And I chose to go to UNO. And I, because I heard also UNO had a decent business program for like business scholars and stuff. So that's what I ended up doing. And so I didn't really have that experience. So you never Scott Pilgrimed it? Not yet. <laughs> you don't have a Wallace who no. you slept next to. Nope. Who has like a bunch of just racking them up gay lovers that he's just in the bed with. like, yeah. And Scott's right there at the end. <laughs> just not joining that parade. <laughs> you know, so Wallace, though, he was pretty great. I, that scene was hilarious when like uh, Scott's sister brings like, oh, it's my new boyfriend. And he's like, Mm-hmm. And she's like, not again. <laughs> he took another one of her boyfriends. <laughs> Just flipping them. So how is it. this guy? I want to know who the, how the actor that played Wallace is related to Malali Culkin. Because I know they're he's brothers. a Culkin. They're brothers? That's his brother. That's what yeah. I thought. That's his brother. Because really? I knew he's a Culkin. He looks like Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, you're right. Claren Culkin or whatever. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that, actually. So that's actually interesting. My favorite part was is when they're doing the uh the rock band uh battle of the bands and he's just yelling shit from oh yeah he's like <laughs> like telling them shit and yeah it's this guy and they're just like oh you suck and then they're like oh yeah we got another song we fucking hate like we hate you <laughs> they go through and play this other song about how they hate him and that song's longer than the song they came prepared for <laughs> They just start going in on them. Yeah, that was pretty great. Um, but kind of changing gears back on this, we actually talked about the first X. Second X was Chris Evans. And, He's uh, coming off of probably Fantastic Four. You wouldn't think you stand a chance against an A-lister, bro. Yeah. <laughs> he's like like the bro douchebag kind of like, and he's like an action star. That's yeah, how they're playing I, him I like that his stunt doubles beat him up so he doesn't have to worry yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got to fight all his stunt doubles his first. Stunt team first. Yeah, uh, that was pretty good. I did like that. And then I think the third one. Was, oh, I like how he beats him, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wait. I'm trying to remember how that went down. He makes I, him uh, grind down that rail. That's right. He, yeah, he was like, you I think bet you I'm can't. just going to do that because you, you tell me to? There are girls watching. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right, that's right. I forgot that it was that because it was the skateboard thing. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he crashes and blows up. Yeah, yeah. I like the, the third one. Uh, Brandon Rouse. Yeah. Uh, oh, the, the vegan. vegan he's got the vegan <laughs> powers. <laughs> when did Superman Returns come out? Because I want to know how long it's been since he had worked since that so, movie. I don't yeah. know. If you look at this movie, there are a ton of superheroes, both from DC and Marvel. In yeah. Here. You've got Human Torch and Captain America. Yeah. You've got Superman and Adam. Yeah. Because yeah. he plays Adam That's in right. Legends, you've which got, he's a lot better now. You've got Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, you do. Uh, uh, Brie, uh, Brie, Larson. Brie Larson's in here. Yeah. She's the the ex girlfriend who dumped Scott Pilgrim, and she's with Brandon Roth, the vegan guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That yeah, that is true. We've got a lot of Marvel, uh, Marvel and DC heroes in this uh, in this movie. But uh, I thought his was the funniest. In fact, they had this base battle. If I remember, like somebody was telling me that this was actually, funky. I think, who did uh, Brandon Rouse 
bass part of this was actually Flea from uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, really? Really? Who does, you listen to when his kicks in. This is actually Scott the whole time. Because then he flies in with his vegan powers and he starts going. And when he starts going, you can hear him like, that's him right there. Doing a little bit more fancy stuff with it. And when somebody was telling me, I need to look it up to be sure, but that's actually Fleet from the Thomas Jane, I, I did like that when Thomas Jane busted in. And they basically and then they had um, what's his name that played in freaking uh, Boondock Saints. Yeah, Boondock Saints two. Two. He played as the guy uh, that was that tagged alongside the main two guys. I'm trying to see if I can find it. Um, in here, but I don't think I'm about to dig. Vegan Police. It's Clifton Collins. Clifton Collins Jr. Looks like. Ah. And then Thomas Jane was the other one. So Clifton Collins Jr. was the the other guy who was in the Boondock Saints too. Um, yeah, so th- I think that was kind of my more favorite fight. I, I did like that he tricked them to drink the um, the coffee. The half that, and half. Yeah, the half and half. And then it was like, like, but I got three strikes, and it's like, well, you ate this, and then you had this chicken. He's like, chicken's not vegan. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like moose isn't vegan. It's like eggs and eggs and di- eggs and milk, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I was just listening to a podcast, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, and he had uh, this really, you know, the scientist guy, he's like a vegan, and they're debating the the vegan eating lifestyle and stuff against the paleo diet lifestyle. Yeah, that's the new diet. Yeah, well, the paleo diet is like, I'm kind of doing the paleo diet right now, but not exactly. I'm not as hardcore with it. Like, there's like, uh, the paleo diet is like, you don't eat peanuts, but you eat like almonds and cashews, and you don't have this stuff, you have this stuff. It's like the natural whatever. And I'm trying to kick artificial sugars, but I, I, I'm just eating anything like fruits, veggies, and meats that are just like natural. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm doing. And uh, it just, when I seen him and he's the vegan guy, it just reminded me of that. Like, you know, he's got superpowers because he's vegan. I, I thought that was a good joke. That was kind of funny. Um, then the last two X's before you get to the final boss well, of it all. The girl. Oh yeah, there's the girl. I almost forgot about her. Um, I don't remember her name. Uh, <clears throat> but she she comes in and uh, it's funny. That's actually the funny part I like too because there was the the vegan. He punches the shit out of uh, knives. He's like, you knocked the color out of her hair. Yeah. <laughs> you knocked her highlights out. Yeah. It's just so fucking hard. And then yeah. he's like, I don't have a problem hitting girls. Like, whatever. But then when that the 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 the, the other ex comes, the chick, like Scott Pilgrim's like, I don't want to fight girls. So then Ramona actually fights her for the most part. But then she says, Well, you can't beat me. Like Scott Pilgrim has to actually do it. 
So then Ramona grabs Scott's hands and like makes him finish the fight. Kind of starts crawling and controlling. Yeah, yeah, and it makes him do it. So they they have one stipulation in there that like oh Scott. And, she's about, and I like the part at the end where she's about to freaking axe kick the shit out of him in the head, and she's like her weak point's behind her knee. No, it's not her weak point. It's her orgasm point. point. Yeah. He touches her in the back of her knee, and she comes on. <laughs> she just like comes right there and turns into coins. coins. Yeah. So I guess she can't have any sexual relationship with anybody because if she ever orgasms she turns into coins Coins. so i guess that's why women don't orgasm i don't know or maybe it's just me so (laughs) so it's roxy richter and the person playing her is may whitman who also was on arrested development with michael Sarah. That's who she is. Yeah, I got you. she was his girlfriend yeah Yeah. there, there was um what was her name in the show egg yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, and he was just like his dad would always be like, "Who's she again?" I never remember. Her. <laughs> oh, that's that's pretty cool. That she did look familiar, but I couldn't place it. That makes that's cool. That's a, I didn't know that. Uh, then after that, you have the twins, yes. which they only say. But if she dated him at the same time, that's kind of weird because that's incest. Like I don't care how you look at it. Like I know there's that whole thing with dudes like. Twins, they're awesome. Two girls that look the same, but like they're sisters, man. That's incest and it's fucking gross. Like that's not cool. So, so were they it, like twin dragoning her? Like were they like they're both banging her? Yeah, like the devil's threesome. Know, right? <laughs> so like, they're both banging her, but they're not banging each other. Did you grow that's up with your brother and like we will fuck the same girl one day? Yeah. <laughs> that's not cool. <laughs> but all they have is like a quick like musical battle, right. and then. You get to where they fight Gideon, and that's the whole boss fight, which we kind of already got into about him fighting for her and then realizing he needs to fight for himself, and he gets the extra life and all that stuff with it. So, I don't know, man. I mean, I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, We kind of got into the whole gist of the movie. Does anybody else have anything you want to share on this movie before we move into rating the movie? Not really. Oh, actually, you know, before we rate the movie... Oh, right, do you want to do the trivia? Yeah, the trivia. Let me do that. Did you know? In fact, I got it right here. I marked the ones I wanted to. Okay. So, the four cast members that made up the band Sex Bomb spent several weeks learning how to play together as a band. Mark Weber, Allison Pill, and Johnny Simmons all had to learn their instruments from scratch, while Michael Cera had to dumb down his bass playing in order not to outshine his bandmates. Yeah, because so, I thought he played bass for real. I thought there was a... I remember hearing that about him. Edgar Wright obtained permission to use the famous theme song from SNES game Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past by writing a letter to Nintendo saying that it is considered to be the nursery rhyme of this generation. He was also allowed to use the Seinfeld theme song for a sitcom-style sequence, yeah, which he, they, they did that. have that. Yeah. Anna Kendrick as the character Stacy Pilgrim wears the actual name badge of the real-life Stacy on whom the comic creator Brian Lee O'Malley based the character. In one of the DVD commentaries, Kendrick specifically asked that someone add this to the trivia IMDb. So, it's there. Mm-hmm. When Scott opens the door to receive his package, Michael Sarah actually did throw the package over his shoulder into the bin after 30-odd takes Moats of which are seen on the outtakes of the DVD. However, the signature shown on screen was a visual effect superimposed onto the paper. Because nobody, they don't want people getting a hold of his autograph trying to copy it. Yeah. 
the original concept for Scott Pilgrim is based on two premises. The first was the idea of what if, after a life of playing fighting games, someone confronted you and you actually had the ability to fight like a Street Fighter character. The second concept came about when Brian Lee O'Malley was dating his future wife, Hope Larson. When he learned that she had dated three different guys named Matthew, O'Malley came up with the idea of the League of Matthews. This idea <laughs> developed into the League of Evil Exes. Matthew Patel is the only evil ex to keep the name Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> so you see, you were right. It's all about exes. Yeah. It kind of is like that. Like you just talking to your wife about her exes, and then you're like, it is kind of, that's how I took it. And like, apparently, that's how he was kind of writing it. Edgar Wright stated, has stated that the movie was done in the style of a musical, but instead of the characters breaking into song and dance, they break into a fight. The battle between Scott Pilgrim and Matthew Patel is done in the style of a Bollywood fight scene, which is what we already pointed out. So. But I do like that because it is that. It is kind of like a musical, but instead of them... Like, they kind of do music because there are some scenes where they're doing, like, rock music stuff. Right. But it's very short, kind of precise, just, like, little clips. And then it's mostly, like, them fighting. So... Edgar Wright told his casting director not to hire any English actors as this was his first North American film. Satya Bahaba, who played Matthew Patel... Successfully, uh, successfully, excuse me, passed the audition with a non-English accent. He later revealed he was from London, England. <laughs> so he got in there. That just shows his acting problems. No. At the party where he talks to Ramona for the first time, Scott holds up a very, very badly drawn picture of Ramona and asks if anyone has seen her. Like that quick clip. Right. That was actually I like that gag. Director Edgar Wright said Scott was originally supposed to hold up a picture of Ramona from the comic book series, but felt the silly drawing Scott holds up was more comedic, yeah. and he went with that instead. So I think that's a good choice because that was funny yeah. when he was like, "Do you see this girl?" And they were like, "Yeah, she's right over there." And it's yeah. just this weird drawing. Whenever the moon is shown, it is full and there is a hole in it. Ramona's third boyfriend, Todd Ingram, is mentioned in flashback, which is the vegan guy. Uh, to have punched a hole there for her when they dated. In the graphic novel, Todd punches a second hole in the moon for Envy Adams. So, I, do you know who that character is? Envy Adams? That's, that's Scott's the, ex-girlfriend. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. Scott's so, he punches two. So, he punches one for Ramona and another one for Envy. I, I, yeah, all right, I forgot the name. Uh, the star on Ramona's bag changes in, in accordance with her hair color. I didn't really notice the star on her bag. Yeah. And, like... I actually read this somewhere and I watched the movie a second time and I didn't notice the bag having a star. Like there's not many shots of that. So that's a deep cut You to catch that. So yeah. um, at the first battle of the bands and when fighting the first evil ex, Scott is seen wearing a Plum Tree t-shirt. Plum Tree is an all-girl indie rock band that released the song Scott Pilgrim on their 1998 album predicts the future the song became the inspiration for brian lee o'malley to create the graphic novel's title character okay when scott for there's actually a lot of these i marked off ones that i thought were interesting but there's like a lot of trivia facts so i'm going through it feels like there's a lot of pop pop culture references in this movie yeah when uh, Scott first approaches Ramona at the party, a light switch is visible on the wall, seven feet above the ground near the ceiling. The, parting see- the party scene 
was filmed at a frat house in Canada, and the light switch puzzled the director as well as the crew. <laughs> <laughs> I've lived in a house that had a light switch that that didn't do anything, and I always imagined somewhere in Russia I was turning somebody's light on and off. And they're like, God damn it, dude. This motherfucker. <laughs> Uh, at one point during the battle between Scott and Lucas Lee, which is uh, Chris Evans' character, Lucas Lee, a fake New York City backdrop is ripped open to reveal the Toronto skyline. This is referencing the fact that many film productions use Toronto as a location and disguise it to look like New York for some other American city. Or some other American city. The 8-bit Universal logo at the beginning of the film was Edgar Wright's idea. It was then designed by his brother, Oscar Wright. The concept designer and storyboard artist on the film. The logo seen in the film was actually only the first draft. It was not yet considered finished when test screenings began, but audience reacted so positively to it that they were just like, fuck it, I'm just keep it in there. <laughs> it was a nice little touch. To avoid the R rating, the word fuck said by Envy to Julie had to be bleeped out because Scott Pilgrim calls Todd Ingram a cocky cock earlier in the film. Yeah, you can only have so many curse words in a PG-13. Yeah, but like I always was heard was like F word. You can use it once in a PG-13 and that's it. But I didn't know that cocky cock is a good replacement for fuck. <laughs> We're like, well, you use cocky cock, so you can't use fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so they bleeped it out. Uh, who's the mathematician who came up with this chart? You know, there's some yeah, guy yeah. who like, paid you money. Can... He's like, oh, I'm sorry. If you look at this, yeah, you see that you'll one see... cocky cock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Um, originally the film only had a title card at the beginning it was Quentin Tarantino who suggested to Edgar Wright late in the stage of post-production that there should be a pre-title credit sequence otherwise the remaining ensemble of characters yet to be introduced would have been introduced in a much more rapid succession the audience might have been overwhelmed with their introduction of characters and plot with a pre-title sequence, the audience is given a chance to relax and have a firmer grasp on the beginning of the film. Wright considered this and agreed, liking the idea that the first scene would now be like a prologue. So, The Canadian band Broke Social Scene wrote the two four-second songs, We Hate You, Please Die, and I'm so <laughs> sad, so very, very sad for Crash and the Boys. Uh, they really did a lot of work putting those together. I know, right? Uh, Metric, another Canadian band, wrote the song Black Sheep, which is performed by Scott's rival band, The Clash of the Demon Head, which is his ex-girlfriend's band. Um, stunt doubles of Lucas Lee are the actual stunt doubles for actor Chris Evans. Only a quarter of the doubles resembles Evans. <laughs> <laughs> the film is heavily inspired by and features numerous references to Nintendo, such as the use of names, imagery, sound effects, which we kind of went over. Uh, scenes from various Nintendo video game consoles and all that. And ironically, the game adaption of the film, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, The Game, was only released for PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. <laughs> so it didn't come to Nintendo. Um, let's see. Oh, Tundra. What are you doing? Cut it out. You're being a bully. Uh, Kelta Salto and Shoto Salto. Oof. Sorry, I might have messed those names up. Who play Evil X's 5 and 6. So they were the twins, the Asian twins. Uh, spoke little to no English, and the director said directing them during the fight scene was a challenge. 
Edgar Wright had to use hand gestures and other crude means to communicate with the actors. They couldn't just get a Japanese translator? I, yeah, I know, right? I don't understand why you couldn't have got that. Like, I can open my phone and just use freaking Google Translate right now if, if all else fails, even though Google yeah. Translate's not all that great. Uh, as a clue to the fights with evil exes that Scott will have to endure, there are many exes present in the film. Tracks in the snow, shadows on the swing sets, all forming the letters X, as does ultimately the X-Men patch on Scott's coat and surrounding pedestrian crossing signs. Let's see. Like the graphic novel, Scott Pilgrim is seen wearing a t-shirt with the letters SP and a heart. While these are Scott's initials, the design is the logo for the band Smashing Pumpkins, an influence of creator Brian O'Malley. Brian Lee O'Malley. Scott is also seen wearing a Zero t-shirt, an iconic shirt often worn by Smashing Pumpkins lead singer Billy Corgan. Additionally, one of the film's acts is titled The Infinite Sadness, which is a reference to the Smashing Pumpkins 1995 album Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Mm. So, um, That's what I'm saying. There's a lot of 90s stuff in this yep. movie. That's what I said. I felt like this movie was... That's you know, probably when the, the writer, Brian Lee O'Malley, was... Probably writing it, and 20s. it might have reflections in the like, might be like the payphone stuff and all that. Like that's flip, what I'm saying. I felt know. like the I felt like the time period of this movie was like kind of late nineties. You stuff. might be right. It might have been that. So, y'all stop it, both of you, Sarah. Yeah, you don't give a shit. You just keep eating. Um, I should have picked up their food. Sorry, listeners, they've eaten. Um, I, I couldn't put the dogs out. It's been raining. Oh no. Uh, Envy Adams band Clash of the Demon Head is named after a lesser known Nintendo Entertainment System called uh, game uh, uh, NES game called Clash at Demon Head which was released in the US in 1990 the name is also a play on the influential punk band The Clash all the drummers in the movie are girls which yeah that, that was it they even yeah. had the one where they had the a, the little Asian girl and like she was mad yeah. like her and Kim they were there staring at each other I wanna know yeah. I wanna know that story she just she flips she just like flips Kim off yeah um oh Ramona's hair colors correspond with the colors of the three goddesses from the Legend of Zelda 1986 series pink is Den blue is Naru and green is Fairfor. I didn't Fairfor, yeah. Fairfor. Fair I, I didn't catch that. I didn't catch that either. I just saw there's different colors, but apparently they were actually reflections of the. Yeah, I know those are the colors of the goddesses, but I didn't catch. I didn't really catch the reference. Mm. They had a lot of like a lot of Zelda references. Yeah, that. that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of Zelda references. The movie's title comes from the second volume of graphic novel series. The movie is, however, an adaptation of all six volumes and not that one particular volume. The first book was titled Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life. And was the working title of the movie. And you know, Sex Babam, that's also Babam, the bombs from Nintendo. Yeah, Mario's Babam. So that was also a play on that as well. Um, I actually feel like that'd be a good band name. Sex Babam. Yep. Uh, so there was a free comic book day, Scott Pilgrim, also. Oh, yeah. Which is infuriating to read because Scott Pilgrim can't make a decision. On what to what snacks to buy, yeah, at the convenience store, so they everybody ends up missing the movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
the the first draft of the script of the film was completed after only two of Brian Lee O'Malley's six Scott Pilgrim books were drawn. So they actually were already doing this in the middle of him doing the books. Yeah, I would think he I, must have been doing these books probably in the 2000s, maybe not in the 90s, like the early No, 2000s. he was probably doing them, but it's probably based on his experiences in the 90s. Would be. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Oh, they said um, Edgar Wright thought during the writing of Hot Fuzz, Edgar Wright thought of casting Michael Cera as the titular character after watching Arrested Development. So that's kind of what got him to be like, oh, let's use him for Scott Pilgrim. Um, let's see. They said the band Crash and the Boys is named after an NES Game Boy game called Crash and the Boys Street Challenge. Oh my god, he's dogs. He's dogs. Yeah, Ramona's idea for fighting Roxanne, the fourth evil ex, was originally Scott's idea in the graphic novel to fight Envy Adams. And I think that's it. That's yeah. all I got. So, uh, the budget for this movie was estimated to be about, what do y'all think the budget was? Huh. Uh, uh, I don't know, maybe $20 million? That's what I was about to say. Probably somewhere around $20, 30 million? 60. 60? 60? I mean, yeah, I think, though, they paid some actors. Yeah, I mean, they yeah, may yeah. not have been exactly in their prime, but they had, I think even then they still had somewhat like Chris Evans, um, Brandon, Brandon Roth. I don't know if they were in their... They weren't in their prime, but I guess some of them weren't ever really in their prime, but they had some... some I don't people. think it was... Uh, it was got to be on the effects. Michael yeah. Sarah might have cost something. Because, yeah. I mean, he did he some movies. He was coming off of Superbad. He was like coming off Superbad. He was doing Arrested Development. So he might have cost something to get, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, but most of them were kind of unknowns. But yeah. there, were, there, were, there is some in here that are, like, probably at the time of this movie, they weren't as known. Yeah, you're not, none of the people in, who appear in this movie are going to cost a lot of money. Because they they don't have to pay them a lot of money because they're they're not going to give you dry they're not there's not going to be like a like today Chris Evans would demand a lot of money oh, yeah, right sure but back yeah. then okay yeah they could replace him with anybody it wouldn't have mattered yeah it grossed in the USA only thirty one million out for sixty million budget but worldwide it made another hundred million. Oh, right. So it it definitely made its money back. I but, saw it in the movie theater. But it was like close. So <laughs> I think this was just when nerd culture was starting to get popular. I don't yeah. think a lot of people were into it here. So in let's get into rating this movie. So our rating system you might have heard before, but just to go over it right quick, we typically lose lives on this show. So five lives down is the worst. No lives lost means you're neutral. Gain to life mean it's good. We don't really rate it past that. If it's good, it's just gain to life. I know for me, I'll say gain to life. I gained to life. I'm yeah. assuming everybody gained to life. Yeah, I gained to life. My too. wife even gained to life. We saw it in the movie theater. Yeah. And she walked out and be like, "Hey, I'll, you finally brought me to a geek movie I liked." Yeah. yeah, it was it was good. It had a video gameness to it. There was a comic bookness to it, and then it was just a really fun. It was funny. It had a lot of little funny parts to it and all that. Like. It's a great movie. I think it, I think it was pretty good. So I think everybody agreed this is a life gainer because after oh, yeah. this, we're getting into Resident Evil. 
So that's our next stop. The, I appreciate that, you guys first... watching the movies so I don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So everyone out there, you're welcome for us doing this properly. You service. say that, but you just said you wanted to watch In the Name of the King now. So well, yeah, I found out about the three-hour version. My God. It's like watching a, you know, you drive past a car accident and yeah. you stare while yes. you're driving past. Well, like, could oh. you, would you, like, what if you watched a three-hour version of The Name of the King and it's like, amazing uh, it's like this is a masterpiece <laughs> you know i'm gonna tell you it's amazing anyways just so you'll have to watch the three-hour version go like what the hell was he talking about yeah it's right it's just, movie yeah this was great it was like lord of the rings <laughs> i go the three-hour version peter jackson you know what will happen you're Tarantino. gonna get in the name of the king it's gonna be oh the three-hour version and it's really just lord of the rings and that's <laughs> all you're gonna watch <laughs> It's not going to be in the I can watch Lord of the Rings over and over. <laughs> That's probably what it's going to be. So, um, but that'll do it for this. So, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate it. You can listen to my podcast on Scott Pilgrim. If you go to uh, the Longbox guys, we're available on iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you get your thing. You just. Uh, or you can go to our website, longboxguys.com, and then search for Scott Pilgrim. It'll take you right to the link to it. There you go. Did you all cover Scott Pilgrim already? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I need to go back and, and look at your episode on that. I might have listened to it, but I, I don't remember. I was pretty drunk, so I don't really remember the episode. Mm. But You're drunk through a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, so everybody's kind of drunk through a lot of them. Yeah. So you probably just listen back to all your podcasts. I do, because I'm like, I have to edit him, too, because I do filthy. the same. Uh, well, uh, our podcast, we just keep all the shit in it. <laughs> it I, I, I take a lot of the stuff out, and then I put the embarrassing shit that Tom says at the end. Yeah, you do. I, I know that's why I stay to the end because you'll play the music from the Kirby Crackle guys. I think yeah. it is right. And actually, Kirby Crackle's music is kind of very close to this music. Like it's very similar because I heard. You talk about them so much. I went and actually they got their albums on Google Play. Yeah. So I streamed a few of their songs and stuff. And it, it kind of sounds similar to what this is. Yeah. That kind of punk rocky kind of stuff. So, uh, But no, that's cool. Uh, this whosnextgaming.com is our website. Uh, if you're listening to this one, we also have Who's Next Podcast. That one, we play a bunch of different games. We talk video game stuff. We cook food. We do bunch of crazy stuff it's just kind of a no holds barred on like whatever in gaming we want to talk about and do so you can check us out there mike joined us on an episode that just came out last week when this comes out it'll been released last week so you can check out who's next and um yeah and also please check out Longbox guys uh listen to them every week they're great um so give them a listen and um for this last bit i've been meaning to ask and and I and we haven't. I'm sidestepping it. You gotta tell me a little bit about the wrestling stuff that you used to do. Sure. We're gonna stick it on the end of this episode. So anybody sure. who wants to listen extra, let's. I want to know some more about that. So what was that about? All right. So uh, two of the guys on the podcast with me, the two other long box guys, Josh and Tom, they go out to San Francisco and they go to an independent punk rock and wrestling show called Incredibly Strange Wrestling. Okay. And so they, they'll have wrestling matches, a punk band, wrestling matches, lead punk band. That's usually how it goes. Okay. And while they're in between sets, they're just waiting. They decide they jump into the ring and start wrestling each other because they're drunk. Guess who's drunk? 
Exactly. <laughs> the promoter sees them as like, well, these are better than most of the guys we got. And hire right. them. <laughs> I get a call. I had just broken up with my girlfriend. Uh, she had decided that she was a lesbian, much to my surprise. And I had nothing going on in my life. And they're like, hey, why don't you come out? We're going to do a cross-country tour. And you're going to be our referee. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. So I fly all the way out. I quit my job, fly out to San Francisco to go on a cross-country wrestling tour with these guys. And when I get there, that's when Tom tells me, Josh can't join, uh, can't leave work. So you're going to take his place and I'm going to wrestle you. So we get this whole script together. You know, we, we lay it all out and we go down into uh, the gym and we... We practice everything that we can. The only thing that we don't practice is the stuff that's on the ropes. Now, don't do this at home. You should be a trained wrestler mm. before actually trying a professional wrestling match. I wasn't, and my very first match, where I am Jean-Pierre Lebut, an evil French-Canadian. Nice. And I am wrestling Tom, who's the missionary man, a priest on loan from the Vatican. <laughs> missionary man. I like that. And he comes out to the Olympic song. <laughs> so Big he's he's one. the he's the face and I'm the heel and we're okay. our first match is at a place in uh, Denver, Colorado called the Snake Pit, and it, this is not like any other kind of wrestling. Incredibly strange wrestling. They sold tortillas, um, and encouraged the fans to pelt the wrestlers you didn't like with tortillas. If your life had a face, I would punch it. <laughs> <laughs> And the reason behind it is because they learned that beer bottles hurt a lot more than tortillas. Oh, shit. (laughs) And there was no guardrail, so the fans were right up against the ring apron. Oh, wow. And so a couple of our friends go to the match because they live in the uh, Denver area. And so I come out, and I'm waving the, uh, the Quebec flag, and I get on the mic, and I start telling... All these fat, lazy Americans, how they're ruining NAFTA <laughs> for all the hardworking Canadians and Mexicans. <laughs> and I'm just... have meaningful conversations. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm like, hey, you know, you stupid, ugly Coloradoans, I'm going to win the interstate championship tonight, and I'm going to name it the interprovince championship. <laughs> And then Tom comes out and everybody's cheering him and he's he's baptizing people as he walks down the aisle and stuff. Are they falling over like they do in some of those churches and stuff and they're like feeling Exactly. Them. So we're doing our wrestling match and I I, I I gave my flag to my friend Jan who's there watching and so she's holding the flag and at one point I, I, I ask her to hand me the flag and I hit him with it and we try to brawl outside and there's a, a statue of the Virgin Mary in this bar, in the bar on one side of the bar, we're supposed to fight our way over to it. Tom's supposed to power slam me on the ground and then uh, do the sign of the cross in front of the Virgin Mary, and then we're going to fight our way back. But we can't get, we can't get through this freaking crowd because there's just too many. They're all packed. And all it's like a mosh pit when we get out there. So we go back into the ring. We do our match. And at one point, I'm supposed to do a Hunakonrata from the top rope. Where Tom is uh, on the top rope, I climb up, I jump up, I wrap my legs around his head, I flip, I do a 270-degree a flip, 
he flies over me oh, and shit. lands, That's right? It's a serious move. It's, it's a serious move, which I don't know how to fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> and Tom tells me, it's easy. Josh does it all the time. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Josh is fucking athletic. I am not. Yeah. <laughs> that makes a difference. But I was wondering, were like, you like ripped it this time Bread makes you fat? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was eating bread and I... And so... I get, and he just tells me, just throw yourself back as hard as you can, and you'll you'll land on your stomach, and all that sounds over like you. I can just imagine Tom just being like, just bullshit your way through it. You're good. I'm figuring so it out. I flip, and I I do not flip nearly as far as I'm supposed to. So I'm looking at the mat coming straight for my head, and I'm like, <laughs> oh shit! So I put out my hands, and I I impact with uh, my left wrist, and I end up spraining it. Uh, when I hit the mat, but the way the angle is, uh, Jan, who's watching me do this right in front of her, doesn't see my left arm hitting. She sees me hitting my head, mm. and it's a sickening thud. And mm. everybody in the crowd is watching me hit my head, and Jan screams, "Oh shit! He broke his neck!" Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And I'm like. I'm in pain, and I'm like, they think I broke my neck. I'm going to sell this. So I start fucking twitching and shit, right? Nice. And now I'm supposed to get up and start beating Tom up. So Tom's laying there on the ground waiting for me to come beat him up, but I'm not moving. And so the referee comes over, and he's like, holy shit, are you dead? And and I give him (laughs) the code. I give him the code. I tell tell Tom, take it home, which is code. Let's go to the end of the match. Okay. okay. Uh, and so he goes and he tells Tom, he goes over to Tom and he's like, hey, are you okay? Hey, take it home. So Tom comes over and he does the Spanish Inquisition because nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition, which oh, is, wow. it's, called, it's actually called a surfboard, but it, it looks really painful because I'm up in the air and being stretched out, but it really is actually a good stretch. Hmm. And I'm in pain because of the that, but yeah. uh, people think that I've broken my neck and they're... And now that he's beating me up even more, the fans are going crazy. And shit. <laughs> I, and then, That's amazing. And then so I submit, and he you know he celebrates, and then he walks out, and I'm like, I'm never gonna fucking do this again. But then as I stand up, about a hundred fucking tortillas, fucking pelt me in the face. <laughs> I'm in pain. I'm sweating like crazy, and I'm getting pelted with tortillas, and it's like exhilaration like ah oh, this is the stuff these guys really hate me this nice. is great yeah so that, that was my very first match where i almost broke my neck wow <laughs> that's amazing well i hope you guys listened to it it was definitely a great story to tag on the end of this nothing to do with scott pilgrim but who gives a fuck we're done with that movie <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming on oh, really thanks. appreciate it and um y'all check out his his channel Long box guys, check out their comic, their podcast, and they also go to a lot of comic conventions. Typically, any of the big ones, WizardCon stuff like that, you can probably catch those guys over there as well. So look out for them if you're also someone who likes to go to comic conventions. Uh, you've been doing a lot of panels here and there when y'all can get it, right? Yeah, we uh, we're going to be doing New Orleans com, uh, WizardCon, and then we always do Pensacola. Yep. Which we got some special surprises in store, but we can't announce them yet. Cool. Nice. That okay. works. So, uh, yeah, give them give them a listen. Check out what they're doing. And uh, thanks for coming on here, listening to us. And uh, we'll 
See y'all later.